grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing our walk through the Gospel of John as we lead up to the cross and uh, Jesus' resurrection. And so uh, we have this text from John chapter 18 here. And uh, Jesus is before the Roman governor Pilate. And Jesus is sharing with Pilate who he is and his mission uh, on this place. And Jesus says, everyone who listens to the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate has this great postmodern uh, reply. You're like, he almost transports himself to the 20th, 21st century. And Pilate says, what is truth? It's a great question. It's a modern sentiment. In our world today, truth is considered to be relative. Or at best, it's personal. And so your truth differs from my truth, and your truth differs from their truth, and, and truth is just a personal idea. Because no one can really know truth. That's our world today. I saw an effect uh, this past week. So this past week, uh, we uh, took my oldest boy, David. He's 16 years old, and apparently he has to go to college. Actually, to rephrase that, he has to go to college because he can't stay home. Uh, my dad's great advice was the road to success does not lead back home. He's like, Shh, get out of here. So he's got to go. He's got to go because he can't stay. I'd like him to stay, but he can't stay. He's got to go. So we're looking at different schools, and uh, we go to one school. It's called Chapman University. It's in Orange, California, and Chapman University is not a Christian school, but they have a chapel on campus. And on Mondays, it's for the Muslims. On Tuesdays, I think it's for the Hindus. On Wednesdays, the Christians get it. On Thursdays, I think the, uh, someone else gets it. And then Fridays is for the Jews. And, and so just everyone gets to have to share this one facility. And what I thought was interesting, because all over the school, they had their seal. And um, that's the seal. You can't tell the top part very well. They didn't come over on the keynote very well. It's Chapman University. And you'll see there's Greek in the middle. Who can read the Greek? <laughs> oh, I can. I can. I like it. it says, Ho Christos Kai E Ecclesia. Christ and Church. That's the seal for Chapman University, and they have it everywhere. Christ and Church. And we're giving the, the tour guide's giving us the tour, and he says to us, um, she said to us, we had a lot of tours, she said to us, we used to be a Christian university, but we're not anymore. And she said it very proudly. I'm looking around going, well, I guess that's true. But your seal says you are. But their action says they're not. They have this chapel here that's for everybody. And the challenge is when you, when you stand for everything, you really don't stand for anything. So that was Chapman University. Went to a different school. It was uh, University of San Diego. And uh, you go there, a beautiful campus, it's gorgeous. And you walk in, there's a video there. They have a video. In the video it says, we are a Catholic university. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds good. Like a beautiful uh, church on the campus, it's gorgeous. They have mass there during the week. But as we're given the tour, oh, during the, tour, the video, they have a quote from the founder of the college. Her name is Sister Rosalie Hill. And in the video, it has this quote from her. If beauty attracts people, 
They will come and find goodness and the truth. It's a great quote. So the motto of the college is goodness or beauty, goodness, truth. That's a good motto, right? So we're doing the tour on this gorgeous campus. The tour guide says to us, our college was founded in the 1950s by Sister Rosalie Hill, uh, who famously said, if beauty attracts people, they will come and find goodness and their own personal truth. I'm like, no, that wasn't in the video. He changed it. But is he right? Is truth personal? Is Chapman University's stance accurate? Was Pilate spot on? Is truth relative? Is truth personal? So what I'd like to do today is kind of walk through that idea and talk about things maybe you have heard, um, maybe have been said to you, maybe you personally hold, and kind of analyze those. A lot of this is, comes from Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. So, sometimes you'll hear this phrase. All major religions are equally valid and teach essentially the same thing. How many of you have heard that one before? You've heard it out there. It's, it's out there. It's, it's out there quite a bit. I hear it, I hear it a lot. And in America, a lot of people believe that. Lots. And I wouldn't even say the majority of Americans believe that. That all major religions are equally valid and they teach essentially the same thing. Here's the challenge with that statement. Uh, people who are active and teach and lead in those major religions don't believe that. The ones who hold to Judaism, Islam, uh, Buddhism, uh, Christianity, they all look at each other and say, well, yeah, there are some similarities. There really are. But on key important issues on who God is and how we interact with God and our relationship with God, there's some, some, some big differences. And the challenge with this statement is it's, um, it's a doctrinal statement. So this person is saying, all major religions teach essentially the same thing that's a doctrinal statement. And what it's saying is, doctrine isn't important, except for that doctrinal statement there. That one doctrine is important, but all the doctrinal statements, doctrinal statements are not important. And so it goes against itself. Here's the next one. Each religion sees a part of spiritual truth, but none can see the whole truth. I mean, if you heard that one before, something like it. That was not, not as popular. You'll hear it with the uh, illustration of the uh, blind people and the elephant. You heard this one before? There's an elephant in a room. And there's a group of blind people inspecting the elephant. And the first blind person is over by the trunk. He says, this animal is like a snake. This animal is like a snake. And there's a second blind person, and he's standing by one of the legs and says, this animal is, is like a pillar. It's like a tall column. And there's a third blind person, and she's standing over by the tail, and she says, this animal is it's like a rope. It's like a rope. And they all see a part of the elephant, but they can't see the whole elephant. They can't see the whole truth. And the story has the illusion of humility. We're all just travelers here. We're all finding our own way. And we're, it's our own personal truth, depending on where you're standing next to the elephant. 
you could be like the Christian trunk or like the Muslim pillar leg or like the, the Buddhist tail that said they're all correct, but they're all just a partial part of the story. And that's something that we hear in our world in America today quite a bit. That sounds very humble. But the truth is, the person saying it is actually saying, all this has a part, except for me, because I can see the whole elephant. And I can tell you all just have a part. Keller puts it this way. How can you possibly know that no religion can see the whole truth unless you have superior comprehensive knowledge of spirituality that you just claimed none of the religions have? You see what he's saying there? The only way you can say is, oh, no one really knows, is if you're really saying, but I do, and they're all kind of correct and kind of not. It's a third argument. Religious belief is too culturally or historically conditioned to be truth. This is the one I get most often. Someone will say something to me like, well, the reason you're a pastor is because uh, your parents were Christian and you grew up in the church. If you were born in Saudi Arabia, you'd be a, a Muslim Ayman today. I've had that said to me. Like, and what they're really saying is, you can't know truth because you're so conditioned by your culture, by the community you grow up in, by the family you were born into, that you really can't know what truth is. All you really know is what you've been taught and raised in. But the argument cuts both ways. And it cuts both ways in this, that a person is essentially, essentially saying that all claims about religion are historically or culturally conditioned, except the one that I'm making right now. Because somehow I'm standing apart from culture, and I'm a skeptic, and so my position is valid because I'm not saying what you're saying. But the truth is, a person in our world, especially in Western culture, is raised to be, hold that there is no religious truth. A lot of people go off to college and they come back and they say, oh, it's just, it's just cultural. It's just cultural, it's just your personal truth. What they're really saying is that they also are part of culture and that's the culture that they were read, raised, and born and educated in as well. It cuts both ways. Every person in every culture and every area of the world has a responsibility to really seek truth. And it is tough because we do have culture on us. We really have to come up, seek hard and say, what are the answers? Who is God? How does God relate to me? How am I going to research this? It's an important question. But it's possible to do it even within whatever culture you may have been born into. Here's the last one. It's arrogant to believe that your religion is right and to try to convert others. How many of you heard that one before? Okay. It's interesting. So we've got the team going to Cuba, and they're going to local stores and requesting auction items. And this community is incredibly, incredibly generous particularly the Riverwalk stores. So, so good to us. But sometimes, some of our folks will hear this. 
as they're going to ask for a donation item. And sometimes people will give the item and then say that, which is interesting, isn't it? Like, here you go, I'm going to help you out, but you really shouldn't be doing it. We've actually gotten that before. It's arrogant to believe your religion is right and try to convert others. Here's a challenge with that statement. It's a religious statement. So what the person is essentially saying is, you should go out and try to convert others because all religions are equally valid and equally true. So you can't go out and do that. But they're making a religious statement. So Keller writes, it's no more narrow to claim that one religion is right than to claim that one way to think about all religions is right. We are all exclusive in our belief about religion, but in different ways. So this statement is just as exclusive as saying, well, I believe Jesus really is the way and the truth and the life. I'd like to share him with you. And here's this to consider as well. If Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life, and I believe that with all my heart, and I believe that if you don't know that, that you're missing out on something incredible, and something fantastic, and the biggest blessing of your entire life. What kind of scoundrel, what kind of, in the language of Star Wars, what kind of nerf herder would I have to be to not share Jesus with you? Christianity is different from all other major religions. Which is not to say that all the other major religions are all completely wrong. There is a lot of similarity. There is. There's a lot of similarity between us and, and Buddhists and Muslims. We believe this because all of us are created in the image of God. As the theologian said, the Imago Dei. They are created in the image of God, and so people from all cultures, from all over the world, have a basic, a similar understanding of right and wrong. It's not as if the God of the Old Testament says, you shall not murder. And Buddhists say, well, just once. One time you're good. After that, though, then you're in trouble. Right? There's a, there, is some, there is a lot of similarity. But here's the key difference is right here. Other major religions are about believing the right thing and then doing the right thing. Christianity is primarily about a relationship. Uh, Christianity is primarily a relationship, not primarily, it is a relationship about Jesus. It's knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. Let me give you an illustration. So this past, uh, we were driving home yesterday, and I was working on my sermon in the car while Heather was driving from California to here. And, and my wife, God bless her, I love her. She, she can spot animals while we're driving at 80 miles per hour. She has this innate ability to find deer, antelope, elk, anywhere. And she'll go, deer, right? And I'll look, and I'll see nothing. I've never, I never see the deer. If there's like a whole herd of deer, maybe I'll spot them. But other than that, I can't see them at all. I'm like, where? She's like, oh, you didn't see it? It was right there. 
drives me crazy. So to get back at her, I'll, she'll be driving, and I'll be like, oh, look, a deer. And she'll say, you didn't see a deer. <laughs> now, I'm writing a sermon on truth, right? That truth is not relative. So I said to her, how do you know? How do you know I didn't see the deer? Now, she could say a number of responses. She could say something like, I know the area we're driving through, and deer don't live here. Right? That's an objective statement. I know deer, they're not here. Right? Or, she could say a subjective statement. I know me, and I know I would have seen a deer if there was a deer, and there's no deer. Right? Subjective statement. But she didn't go there. What she said was a relationship statement. What she said was, I know you. <laughs> and I know you like to mess with me. And so I know there's no deer. It's relationship. So how do you know God? How do you know God? There's a couple ways to go about it. You could say, objectively, I know the philosophical arguments for the existence of God. It's an objective statement. Or you could go subjectively. I know what I think God should be like. And I've felt God active in my life. Subjective. Christianity goes one step further and offers a relationship statement. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. The eyewitnesses record Jesus, his, his teaching, his miracles, his crucifixion, his resurrection. And Jesus is far and away the most impressive person who's ever lived. And some have said, well, the gospel writers, they just wrote him that way. I'm here to tell you, they never would have written him that way. It's not as striking to us today because we've heard about Jesus. You know, he's part of the Western culture. But Jesus is the most countercultural person ever in first century Judaism. He doesn't fit any mold whatsoever. None. Jesus walks around saying, I am God in the flesh. No first century Jew writes that. <laughs> no 21st century Jew writes that. Right? He's absolutely, completely unexpected. And he is the most courageous, compassionate, merciful, wise, strength of character, person who has ever lived. Ever. There are lots of courageous people you've read about. There's lots of merciful people you've read about. There's lots of strong people you've read about. Courageous people you've read about. But none of them encompasses all of that like Jesus does. And here's the best part. He said that he did all of it for you. All of it. His life his teaching, and his death, and his resurrection. Does it for you. And he could have gotten out of it easily. In our text for today that Carrie read for us, Pilate is practically begging Jesus for an excuse to let him go. 
he's, he's like throwing lines out to him. Please, just say, say you were just figuratively king of the Jews, right? Just say uh, in your head you're king of the Jews, right? Anything, and I will let you go. And Jesus refuses to let himself off his own hook. He does it for you. the most courageous and compassionate person ever. And then he rose from the grave to prove it. That he does it for you. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Or in other words, I, I am God. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? My, my hope and my prayer is that you do. And then not as some objective truth. As Jesus' relationship with you. Because he loves you. Because he died and rose for you. And because he loves you that much. Pilate was wrong. There is some truth. It, it takes some seeking. It does. It takes some researching. When you get to the end of it, you don't just find philosophical facts. You find a person. And his arms are outstretched. And his hands are pierced. He says, I did it for you. Jesus. Thank you. Uh, there are a lot of uh, arguments and uh, proof statements for your existence and for what you did, and, and it's all good stuff. It's great stuff to research and to know. But what it essentially comes down to is do, do we trust you that what you did, you did for us? So, Lord, um, I lift up uh, folks here who are here and researching, who are here just checking things out. And I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you might touch, lead, and guide to your, your truth, but, Lord, also to your life, and to your love. Because, Lord, every, every major religion in the world has standards of behavior, of what's expected of us. And, and every single adherent to those religions falls short every single time. Buddhists, Muslims, all of us. No one ever quite gets there. But, Lord, you're the only one who says, I'll take care of you. You're the only one who says, I'm going to give you this free gift of life and forgiveness and a purpose and joy today and every day. Lord God, you are, you are completely different. We thank you because that's what we need. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
I should stand and sing or close this song. I'd like to spend some time in prayer. Yeah.